Well, this morning, we have such a, a, a privilege and such a, a, an honor to host really one of my dearest friends, Corey Russell. He's here with us. And uh, before he comes and speaks, I just want to say a few things. Um, you know, Corey has been uh, family to us in IHOP since, since day one. I still remember whenever um, Mary Beth and I moved to Kansas City for a year, the first person I connected to there was Corey Russell. And we went out and had a hamburger and started sharing all of our stories about revival. And there was just some kind of connection between us in that moment. And I thought, I want to be friends with this guy forever. Well, here we are 15, 16 years later, and we're, we're one of each other's dearest friends. And, and he's family to us. And he's probably spoken in the house of prayer at least 10 times. But this is the first time he's um, speaking to us in our merged environment. And so um, we need to receive the gift of God this morning. Corey carries uh, a spirit of prayer upon him and a spirit of revival. And I want you to sit on the edge of your seat with an open heart and put a pull on the word of God this morning. For the first service was so good. And, uh, and I really feel like the Lord wants to touch and, and, and minister to us and mark us today. And so I want to invite you really just to open your heart and to receive the word of the Lord. So would you um, welcome Corey as he comes in? I'm going to pray for him. So come on, Corey. Yeah, thank you for welcoming my friend. Thank you. And let's, let's stretch our hands out towards him. And let's ask Holy Spirit to use him. Let's believe God to speak through Corey this morning with the word of the Lord. So, Father, here we are. We're opening our hearts to you right now. And we're saying, God, we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church right now. We need the voice of the Lord. And so we put a pull on the Holy Spirit to speak through our friend and our brother Lord, I'm asking, anoint Corey. Let him stand in the office that you've called him to, to declare the word of God with clarity and unction. And we're looking for heaven's fingerprints on this morning. We don't want to do just another service. We don't want to do just another service. We want to encounter you, Father. So speak through Corey. Use him for your glory, and change us and mark us this morning. Would you just say that out of your mouth? Say, Lord Jesus, change me and mark me today. I receive the gift of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Love you, brother. Good morning. Good. Well, it's so good to be with you guys. That was 2003, I guess it was, when you guys came to Kansas City, and uh, I love it. So, Saya, how old were you then? 2003, about four years old, too. Just running around. So anyway, so good to be with you guys. I'm, uh, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 1. <laughs> That's my introduction. Um, <laughs> it, it, I just believe that what God's doing here at New Bridge is a... Uh, I've, was, I've been hearing it all of 2019 after spending 18 years in Kansas City at the House of Prayer. Uh, at, in January of 2019, our family moved to uh, Dallas to become a part of the Upper Room Church where they're going morning, noon, and night. And, uh, and I just believe that I, I'm hearing the word wineskins, wineskins, that God is shifting wineskins across the earth 
And he's building apostolic structures that can handle the new wine that he wants to release. You know, Matthew 9, Jesus says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins or else they bust. You build new wineskins to contain new wine. And I believe that what God's doing is he's raising up new models and the bringing, and I believe specifically as it's happening here, he's bringing together prayer movement, missions movement, and local church. I believe that he's merging streams together to house something that he wants to do because Jesus is building his church, okay? Jesus is building his church, and Jesus has not forsaken the church. The church is going to be beautiful and glorious when he returns, when, before, she return, before he returns. And so I believe that a lot of stuff is happening right now in the earth, and it has to do, again, prayer movement, prayer missions, and local church. He's delivering us from Sunday-only Christianity. He's delivering us from 45 minutes and 20 bucks. I'm grateful for your 20 bucks. Well, I'm not pastor the thing I hear, but, but, but we've got to shift. I want to say that again, and, I, and, I, and I've thought about it for a long time. Sunday-only Christianity is over. I don't know if it's caught up yet to your current schedule, but it's coming to a city near you. And, it's, and it, the Lord is forcing the church off our islands of independence and isolation. And we're going to find each other. He's breaking down old generations of fortresses of walls. It's what he's been doing here with the movement here at Newbridge. I believe that Newbridge is a model that many will come from across the earth to learn about what he's done here. The breaking down of charismatics and prayer movement with assemblies, with Baptists, and he brings us all together in one room. He's bringing us all together. He's breaking down walls. That John 17 prayer, the Father's really into answering Jesus' John 17 prayer. I and them, you and me, that they may be one in us. That the world would believe that you sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given them. That they may be one just as you are in me and I'm in you, that they would be one. He says, I and them, you and me, that the world would believe that you love them as you love me. Do you know what our last day's message is going to be? Father loves me like he loves Jesus. <laughs> Father, I desire. You know what? I'm shifting my message. Glory. I love it. Can you put Revelation 22:17? Maybe you haven't even put it up here. Revelation 22:17. I believe that what he's doing here is important. I want to say that again. I believe people will come from across the earth to learn about what he's doing here. It is an absolute miracle. You have right down the road a prayer meeting that's gone on for how long? 12, 14 years? 13 years. Day and night prayer. It's an absolute miracle. It's beautiful. <clears throat> I was going to preach. I preached Psalm 1 and 2 during the first service. I'll preach Revelation 22, 17 now. I didn't know that until I, I got into this. One of the last verses of your Bible, 
is a very important one. It's one we sing in most of our message, uh, most of our songs. It's one we undoubtedly have heard. It's the phrase, the spirit and the bride say come. Everybody say the spirit, the spirit. and the bride, and the bride. Say, come. say come. Say it again. Say the spirit, the spirit. And, the bride. and the bride say come. That is a prophecy of where we're going. That is a prophecy about what we will look like across the whole earth. And I think it's so interesting that it's one of the last verses of your Bible because it took the whole word of God and all of human history to get us there. It's a threefold prophecy of three realities. Number one, the days are coming to where the Holy Spirit and the church are going to be in unity with one another. Number two, the church is going to be operating in a bridal identity. It's not the spirit in the church. It's not the spirit in the army. It's not spirit and sons. It's the spirit in the bride. It's not an extra paradigm. It's not a side issue. That from Genesis 2, it is not good for a man to be alone. He will leave his father and his mother, cleave to his wife, and the two will become one. Paul takes that verse and said, that's glorious, and the mystery of marriage is profound, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That from Genesis to Revelation, the thread line of the revelation of Jesus as a bridegroom and us being set apart as a spotless, pure bride is the streaming thread through the whole word of God that culminates with a city coming out of heaven whose very name is the bride. The bride. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> she caught that one. So we got the spirit and the bride, and when the nitrogen of the spirit meets as the glycerin of the bride, we're going to see a global kaboom. We're going to see a global cry come out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, a global groan, a global cry, come, come. And it will be the longing of a lovesick bride who is desperate for her beloved that will stir the depths of heaven and that will provoke heaven to come down. Do you know why Jesus is coming back? It's because we want him to. Right now, we're okay with him staying up there 50 more years. <laughs> we kind of like our American dream. But, but God is going to bring the church, and he has two global ingredients to bring the church into Revelation twenty two seventeen, The two great deliverances, he's going to deliver us from independence of doing Christianity in our own strength, wisdom, and ability. And he's delivering us from isolation. He has two big ingredients, the global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to say something to you very clear. We are going to see Acts chapter 2, verse 17, poured out on all flesh before the Lord returns. Now, that sounds awesome, and we think, well, that'll be just more livelier services. I, don't, I won't sleep through half as much. 
Do you have a clue what revival history tells us about? Those are but drops in the bucket when God steps down. Do you know that there have been holy moments in history when God has stepped down into time and space and there are still marks on geographic locations that have been touched when God stepped down? And Acts chapter 2, 17 says very clear, it shall come to pass in the last day. Says who? Says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesy. Men and women, young and old, blood, fire, vapor of smoke, sun into darkness, moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that God is going to visit cities like Atlanta to where the manifest glory of God takes over not just a building, but takes over geographic zones of the manifest presence of God to where people on the highway are feeling the effects of the spirit of conviction to where any pedophile ring within this zone of glory cannot exist where any human trafficking ring cannot exist, where any crack ring or drug ring cannot exist, where there's any domestic violence, it cannot exist within a manifest zone of the glory of God, where people pull over on the highway because of the spirit of conviction and everything that they've ever done wrong is made manifest to them in one moment and they must turn to God. I'm not talking about livelier services. I'm talking about God stepping down and a manifest zone of the glory of God. That's, that, that's been history. And I'm not even talking about the outpouring to precede the coming of the Lord. It means this, such glory in Atlanta. We will fly out of Atlanta, step into London, and we will step right into the same glory of God in London. And then we'll fly to Berlin, and it's in Berlin. And then we'll fly to Zurich, and it's in Zurich. Then we fly to Kiev, it's in Kiev. Then we fly to all spots across the earth, and we see a global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need glory to get where we got to get. No, no, listen. We need more than just biblical principles and you trying hard and having 30 more minutes in your quiet time. We need, hard, we need more than you just trying harder. Try hard. Try hard. Do it. But we need glory. We need glory. Do you know how much we need glory? One touch of the raw presence of God will change you forever. God has a global outpouring, and that's why I believe he's building wineskins. Because right now, if he were to release the full harvest and release the full outpouring, it would bust current systems. It would destroy, and there would be more harm than good if God released what he wants to release in the current systems. So he's therefore building structures to house glory. He's building structures in our homes. He's building structures in our lives, structures in our churches, structures to be able to contain the glory of God. God has two, I could go off on this for a little bit. Isaiah 66, heaven's my throne, earth is my footstool, where is the house that you will build for me? He says, on this one will I look, poor and contrite. Anyway. 
So glory's coming, but a lot of us just think that glory comes, all of our problems will go away. Do you understand that when God steps down like he did on the day of Pentecost? It released a storm, and what it does, it removes all the gray areas. And it brings all the resident darkness to full manifestation, and it brings resident light to full manifestation. And there's no more grayness, and there's clarity about full light and full darkness. And we're going to see a global outpouring of the Spirit, and we're going to see a great tribulation touch the planet. God is going to use great presence and great pressure to produce a great prayer. Think about what God's done in your life to get you to the seat you're sitting in right now. He's used lots of glory and lots of gory. Lots of presence and lots of pressure. He's going to blow you up this morning. God, do it. Please touch us. You're going to get, I mean, heck, after worship this morning, I'm still riding off what worship was happening this morning, so it's already a good day, so praise God. God will wreck you in, in worship. He'll wreck you in a quiet time, and then you've got to walk into that difficult marriage. Then you got to walk with children that are in difficult spots, finances. There's difficulties in our lives, and God is using the glory and the pressure. He's using the presence and the pressure to deliver us from independence and isolation. We need God, and we need each other. We need God, and we need each other. I can't do this in my own wisdom. I can't do this in my own strength, in my own ingenuity, my own ability. I need God, and I need you. That's what he's doing. And he is delivering the church from witchcraft. You know what witchcraft is? Christianity in your own strength. Christianity in your own ability. That's why Galatians 3, Paul says, who has bewitched you? You started in the spirit and you're trying to be perfected in the flesh. And there's so much striving, performance-based religion, trying hard for Jesus just to get a little sticky note on your chest. You feel, you feel accepted when you've had a good week. You feel ashamed and you run from him when you've had a bad week. And you worship you day and night. You worship how well you've done, and your acceptability to God is based on how you're doing. It ain't about you. It's about him, what he has done, and what he's saying right now over you. His blood is stronger. It's stronger than your justifications. It's stronger than your accusations. It's stronger than the condemnation. It's stronger than every other voice is the blood of Jesus Christ who says you are clean, you are accepted, you are chosen, you are beloved, you are mine. Jesus, he's delivering us from independence. He's delivering us from trying a little harder. I want you to put your faith, put your eyes on that man. Put your eyes on his sacrifice. Put your eyes on the work that you could not do. When you had nothing to offer, he gave it all. When you had nothing to bring to the table, he went all in. 
He's delivering us from independence. And he's driving us into a deeper dependency on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Say it again, but say it nicer. Say, Holy Spirit. (laughs) You don't just yell at him. (laughs) Holy Spirit! I believe that a profound, dramatic new relationship with the third person of the Trinity is coming to the church. Let me say some things to you. No one loves Jesus more than Holy Spirit. No one loves the Bible more than Holy Spirit. No one will get up into your business more than Holy Spirit. And you can't love Jesus without him. Do you know the Holy Spirit? He's coming. See, we, love, we can talk about Jesus. He's definable. He's measurable. We can get him into our nice theological constructs and boxes, and we can relate with him because we've got him figured out. Though we don't. We, we're in a paddle boat. He's the Pacific Ocean. But we think. We can talk about the Father because Jesus reveals the Father, and he's just like him, but Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He unnerves us. He makes us nervous because we don't know what he'll do, when he'll do it, and how he'll do it. He might make us fall down and we shake. Tongues might come out of our mouths. Weird things happen, and we don't know why it happened or where it happened, and we can't just control him, and we don't know how he'll operate, and he unnerves us. It's an issue of control. It's an issue of you controlling the relationship, but I want you to understand. I mean, you guys, we're entering into the holiday season. Does anybody at the family Thanksgiving and family Christmas kind of have that drunk uncle at Christmas or Thanksgiving? Anybody got that drunk uncle? Anybody used to be that drunk uncle? (laughs) Anybody is that drunk uncle? (laughs) We'll work that one out later, but (laughs) working it out. This is what you do with a drunk uncle. You put him off in the back room. You bring his food to him. You kind of quarantine him. Maybe put him off in the den with the football game. Just keep him happy and content there just so that he doesn't do what? He doesn't come into the family, come in the middle of everything, and start stirring up every elephant in the family. Mother-in-law's issue with daughter-in-law. Dad's issue with son. Daughter-in-law, sister-in-law, mom and dad, cousins, uncles, aunts, all kinds of people. And he starts stirring up, and he'll start bringing up all the old stuff that stirs up weirdness at the family dinner, and we're just like, just keep him back there in case he come and ruin our perfect Christmas dinner. I think in many ways we do that to the Holy Spirit. We'll let him come out for 45 minutes on Sunday, and then we'll put him back in. But I want you to understand, Holy Spirit's coming out of the den. He's coming out of the back room, and he is about to get in the middle of the church and rearrange some things on the inside of the church. He is going to confront. He's going to expose. He's going to turn over tables. He's going to redo some furniture. He's going to deal with some old elephants, some things you never wanted to talk about or look about. 
He's about to get up in the middle of the church's business, and the church that will move into the next season will be the church that honors, loves, and makes room for the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. He says, you can blaspheme me and get away with it. You don't mess with him. Do you know John the Baptist's favorite title of Jesus? It's not Messiah. It's not Lamb of God. It's not Bridegroom. It goes, guys, I've got a water baptism ministry. I'll baptize you with water. I can just clean the outside of the dish. Him? Get your seatbelt on. Him? He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out its threshing floor. Which means this, I can clean the outside of the cup. He's about to get up into your business. He's about to get to places religion can never touch. He's about to get to places that nice little Christian smiles and nice little 45 minutes and 20 bucks couldn't touch. Nice little fake smiles, bumper stickers, T-shirts, praise the Lord, I'm doing good. But inside, you're filled with anger and jealousy and lust. You're filled with rejection and you're filled with fear. And you're filled with so much idolatry, so many caves that you run to in the secret place. Holy Spirit says, I'm about to get up in the middle of that. Who wants more of the Holy Spirit? I want more of you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. How? He's coming with water to wash away the spots, and he's coming with fire to get away the wrinkles. It says he's going to have a holy and a spotless bride without spot and wrinkle. Spots get out through water. Wrinkles get out through pressure. And he will first confront you to conform you. Because it says that the Holy Spirit and the church are going to be in unity with one another. But do you know you only unify with that which you submit to? He's teaching us how to submit so we can come into unity. It's the basis of all true unity is submission. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to tell you for a season, don't call him the you don't ever witness and say, have you met the Jesus? Why would you say, have you met the Jesus? Because he's not an it. He's, he's a person. I just want to say, Holy Spirit, I love you. I love the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when you get intimate with the Holy Spirit. What he does, he burns up all the wrong views of God. He burns up the chaff of religion. He burns up every misconception about God that sees him as harsh, that sees him as mostly disappointed, mostly angry. Mostly having the voice of, you've never done enough. There's always more for you to do. Holy Spirit comes and he burns up 
wrong views of God, and he burns up wrong views of you. Because the spirit of adoption is the spirit of sonship. Hallelujah. <laughs> Abba, Father. Everybody say Abba. Because we've received the spirit of, of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Heck, he comes, we start talking to him and calling him Abba. With Daddy God. It's intimate. It's not at a distance. It's not just formal. He's my dad. And Holy Spirit brings you into that Abba cry. Holy Spirit brings you into the revelation of the bridegroom. And as you grow in intimacy with Abba, Abba's going to introduce you to his son. Are y'all with me this morning? Is this too deep? He's going to deal with dad issues, and then he's going to deal with Jesus issues and you're going to begin to talk differently, see Jesus differently, and you're going to learn bridal language and bridal identity. You're going to learn to whisper to Jesus as a real person. You're not going to yell at him. You're not going to look at him from a distance, but you're actually going to talk to him. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, you're going to talk to Jesus. See, this is what he does. He introduces you to the bridegroom. Do you know Holy Spirit is the dowry? He's your wedding gift. Put your hand on your belly. Come on. Everybody say good morning or good afternoon, Holy Spirit. Why do I have my hand on my belly? Because <laughs> I like to have fun. No, I don't know. Because he's in there. John 7, 37. He who drinks of the water that I shall give out of his belly will flow rivers. Do you understand who's on the inside of you right now? Can I talk about this for a second? Do you understand that God has taken his very own substance, his very own nature, and has infused it into your dead spirit? And in one supernatural moment, God came to take up residence on the inside of you. And the Shekinah flame of God is now dwelling in your spirit. The rushing river, the Shekinah glory of God is dwelling in your spirit. Do you understand that your temple, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's God's dilemma. He's God. He really loves us, and he wants to get close. But every time he gets close, people start dying. Things start exploding. He had to set apart a whole tribe of people to offer daily blood, monthly blood, and yearly blood just so God can stay close without killing everybody. It's almost like I'm in love with this ant farm, but every time I get close to the ant farm, I end up stepping on three million. So what does God do? He sends his very own son into the earth. When he couldn't find a man, he became a man. And the perfect life you could not live, Jesus, as the second and the last Adam, gathered those up into himself, those who would believe in him, gathered us up into himself. And as God's man, every temptation, every trial, everything that is common to the human experience, Jesus walked it out. And for 33 and a half years, he trusted the Father through every arrow of the evil one, trusting the Father, trusting the Father, trusting the Father, never sinned, not once. 
And then he climbed up on that cross and he said, what's belonging to them, pour it out on me. And the father unleashed the fullness of his wrath on his son. And in killing his son, he killed our old man and the dominion of our old man. Well, he didn't stop there. He took us into that grave. Three days later, rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin, of death, of disease, and of hell forever. He didn't stop there. He said, we got to get to the throne. It says he passed through the heavens. He passed through the heavens, went right up through the second heavens. Every principality, power, ruler, and dominion. He went higher. He kept going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, higher, higher to the third heavens where he walked into the new Jerusalem. And the father said, son, you've done a good job. Set down. And he is now sitting at the right hand of the father. And it says that he's received from the father, the Holy Spirit. And that is who he has now poured out on the earth saying, I want to come live on the inside of you. You need to thank God you didn't blow up in your sleep last night. You need to thank God you don't have smoke coming out of your ears right now. You need to thank God that the last time you sinned, you didn't immediately die. No, feel that. We get so common, we see sin, it's kind of like a stain on our shirt. It's not. It's a cancer eating the human race. It's cancer. It's not a stain. And it costs God so much that now by the Holy Spirit, he has taken up residence on the inside of us. And we treat him, treat him as kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card, and thank you, Holy Spirit. When I feel fuzzies, there you are. And God's saying, you have no clue. He is your helper. He is your comforter. He is the convictor. He is your friend. He is the one that can take you where you cannot get by yourself. You don't even know how to pray as you ought. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We need a breakthrough of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We need a baptism. I'm not ashamed of that word because John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. I'm going with him. Baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's sealed. He's on me. He's around me. There's tongues. There's prophecy. There's visions. And there's a whole bunch more. See, I want to tell you about the spirit of religion. A lot of us, and this is what's done it so wrong. We've treated you get the Holy Spirit, you get tongues, and then you put a little little bumper sticker or a little sticker on your chest saying, I've arrived. Do you understand that's witchcraft and that's the spirit of religion? The spirit and the bride. He's going to introduce you to the bridegroom. Jesus is a bridegroom. We all know the what of Calvary. Do you know the why? It's one word. It's that God has desire. God has desire. God longs and he feels 
and he desires. And do you know what Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross? I want them with me where I am. He is a tender bridegroom. He's a patient bridegroom. He's a jealous bridegroom. He's not going to share you with anybody. That's why there's fire in his eyes. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Isaiah 62, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Do you know God rejoices over you? Do you know he enjoys you? I'm releasing viruses that if you believed them, would revolutionize the inside of you. <clears throat> he is a burning God. He's a God of fire. He's a God of fire. Everybody say fire. Because Jesus added that, I mean, John added that thing. He said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Who said anything about fire? Maybe because he was talking about the messenger of the covenant who would come and purify the sons of Levi with fire. Maybe he knew that the one coming was going to baptize with fire. Do you know the first time that God revealed himself to Abram, he revealed himself in a smoking oven and a burning torch. Do you know when the Lord showed up to Moses, how did he show up to him? In a burning bush. I could walk you through. Samson's mom saw the angel of the Lord go up in fire. Isaiah 6 had coals of fire touch his lips. Ezekiel 1, I saw a man from his waist down, he's on fire. And from his waist up, he's on fire. Daniel 7, the ancient of days is sitting on a throne of fire. With wheels of fire, with a river of fire fire. Jesus came to baptize with fire. On the road to Emmaus, their hearts were set on fire. John the Baptist was the burning and shining lamp. On the day of Pentecost, there were tongues of fire. Fire tenderizes you. Fire purifies you. Fire gets up into your business. It burns away chaff. It it tenderizes dullness and indifference. It tenderizes pain. It causes the dross of the pain to come forth. You get near the fire, it'll cause all the impurities to get out while searing you with his fire. His fire purifies, his fire refines, his fire judges, his fire consumes, his fire tenderizes, his fire washes you. His fire is what we need. We need the Song of Solomon 8.6, the seal of divine fire placed on our hearts once again. It's the first commandment becoming first place in the church again. Do you know why? I'm going to go back to this. Y'all got to lock back in with me. We're going to want Jesus Jesus is coming because we want him, but you'll only want him to the degree you see him. 
That's why there's eye salve. The spirit in the bride. The spirit in the bride. A church that has dove's eyes. A church heart set on fire, mouth set on fire, spirit set on fire, and the cry of the global church is, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come. There's nothing more powerful. I've traveled for 16 years. There's nothing more powerful than a phone call from my wife. She'll never demand it. She's so kind and been amazing with this. I've traveled a lot over the last 16, 20 years. She never demanded anything, but she'll, I'll always hear that bit of longing. She's going, if you're not doing anything that extra day, do you think you could look about seeing if you could get home a day early? Do you know what that does? He's going to baptize us with longing. He's going to baptize us with mourning. He's going to touch us with the spirit of prayer. It's called the prayer breakthrough. Do you know there's a prayer that breaks through? I believe he wants to release a move of the Holy Spirit here at Newbridge. He's the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. It cries. And you know it's not just crying for better hugs from your spiritual father. It's crying out for adoption. You know what the adoption is? The redemption of your body. Just wait for a second. Increase your presence, Holy Spirit. Here, just open up your hand. I just want to ask that God would increase longing in this room. Holy Spirit, you can come out of the den. We're going to say, Lord, you can come on out. You can do what you want, how you want, when you want. And we say, we don't ever want you to go back. His first name is Holy. Hallelujah. Father, we ask you right now, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him.